What's up, church? How are we doing today? Man, are you guys fired up? Fired up? Man, it is so good to be with you today. Thank you for being here at Summit Park. I want to take a minute, and I want to welcome everybody who's watching online, and of course, everybody who's over at that South Side, South Campus, South Campus. We love you. We love you here. We love you there. And the best way we can show you that we love you is by clapping for you. So come on, everybody. Put your hands together. Welcome somebody sitting next to you. I'm glad that you're here today. Hey, wasn't that uh, building update video just so encouraging? Yeah, it was so, so encouraging. We got to the uh, kids part. Wasn't that just like it's so much bigger than you thought it was going to be, right? Yeah, it was actually bigger than I thought it was going to be too. It's actually bigger than we designed it was going to be. Check this out. Check this out. When they went to go pour the concrete, they poured it 18 inches long on the long side. And so we got, we've got like uh, several hundred square feet of more space in there on their dime. Come on, somebody. God's already moving. <laughs> They're like, we've got news. We, we poured it too big. I was like, it's really sad. <laughs> and so, but, you know, honestly, it's, it's cool because God's doing all kinds of little miracles like that. Here and there, there's little provisions, little directions, little wisdoms that he's been giving us, uh, little aspects of favor and help that he's been giving us. It's been really, really special. And so thank you for praying, okay? Thank you for praying because God answers prayer. And this is more than a building, y'all. This is a headquarters for God to do something amazing through. And this is going to be a hospital for people to find and follow Jesus. It's going to be an outreach center. It's going to be a place where marriages are restored. So every detail matters. Every detail matters as we look at this space. And so thank you for praying. Pray for favor. Uh, we're praying for doors to get in on time. All right, that's just a little thing you'd be praying for. And lighting. So those are the two things that, that, are, uh, that we're praying for. So just be praying about that over the next couple days. And we're going to pray uh, and believe God for a miracle. If you believe it, say, I do. All right. Well, we are in a series that we've called Start Fresh, and how we start a year really, really matters. It really, really matters how we uh, angle ourselves toward God can literally propel our year or stifle our year. And so we want to start in the freshest way possible. Amen? And we've been looking at this little verse in Lamentations, one of the darkest chapters or one of the darkest books of the whole Bible, and that yet there's this bright little verse in there that just speaks of all kinds of hope and goodness and grace. Let me just uh, share this with you. Lamentations chapter three says, because of the Lord's great love. Everybody say great love. Come on, church. Everybody over in this section. Everybody say great love. There we go. Okay. Um, great love. We are not consumed. See, God is good, and out of his goodness, he gives us his love, and because of his love, we can have hope, and we are not consumed and overwhelmed. We can have real and lasting hope. And he says, for his compassions never fail, so his mercies never fail. We talked about how his mercy never misses the mark. So no matter how many times you've messed up, God is still able and willing and ready to forgive you and make you new again. And how many times, how often is he willing to do this? Check this out. They are new every morning. Everybody say, yeah, every morning. Every morning. It's new every morning. So it doesn't matter what last year was. 
This year's the new year in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter what last month was. It doesn't matter what last week was. It doesn't matter what last night was. Today is a new day. And it's a chance for you to start fresh and to move forward in all that God has for you. Amen? Man, that is the hope of every believer. That is truth. That's how God looks at it. God wants to do something great, something new, something fresh in all of our hearts. And, and so we've been talking about how we experience that. We've talked about how getting to the word of God is really, really important. So we're going through the one-year Bible as a church. And if you haven't done that, jump in with us. You can follow along on your phone. You can buy one online. We're going through the one-year Bible. So we want to eat fresh. And then we talked about last week, we talked about prayer, the power of prayer, consistently praying and what that looks like and how to do it. So we're going to live fresh. And this week, I want to talk about how you keep all of that, how you keep all of that freshness in. I want to talk to you about how you stay fresh, all right? So we're going to talk about how to stay fresh. And the way that we stay fresh is by being in Jesus-centered relationships. You and I will keep the freshness that God gives us and God is continuing to give us by being in relationships that keep us centered on what this whole thing is about. We're going to be in Jesus-centered relationships. We're going to be better because we are better together. Everybody say, we're better together. Come on, you tell three people next to you, say, we're better together. Come on, tell three people, say, we're better. We're better together. Why are we better together? Because the first problem, I'd say one of the main problems in the world, and, and actually the first problem that ever the world ever experienced was loneliness. Wasn't, it wasn't an apple, wasn't a serpent, it was loneliness. So you're like, man, I thought, I thought it was sin is our, yes, sin is our, our main problem, but the first problem that the world ever experienced was loneliness. Look at Genesis chapter one. God had made Adam, but not Eve. He had made two of every other uh, uh, creature in all of creation, but when it came to mankind, he only made Adam. And I believe God was, was doing this very strategically to make a point, to say, listen, you need each other. Yeah. And in case you think you don't, I want to remind you that you do. So he made Adam, but not Eve. And he's like, man, everything looks amazing here. This is awesome. It's beautiful. It's perfect. It's good. He said it is good. But one thing he said is not good. Look at Genesis uh, chapter 2 says, it is not good for the man to be alone. It's not good. And every married man said amen. <laughs> oh, man, that was your opportunity, y'all. You missed it. <laughs> you missed it. But praise God, his mercies are new every morning. So all the married men who believe that to be true say amen. amen. Okay, a little bit better. All the single men who believe that to be true say amen. See, that was your chance. Your chance to put it out there. Hey, man, I believe in it. I believe in marriage. I'll airdrop you my digits. Um, it's not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for a woman to be alone. And all the married women said amen. And all the women who want to be married say amen. Okay. There's a little bit of disdain in that one back there. Amen. <laughs> Loneliness is 
is the first problem. It's the first problem, and, and it's, it's still a problem today. It's still a problem today. And I want to give you a couple of stats just to kind of help paint the picture of how loneliness is, is messing up our society. But a, a study done last year by the Harvard Graduate School of Education said 30, 36% of all Americans, including 61% of young adults, 61%, and 51% of mothers with young children feel serious loneliness. So if you have felt lonely, you're not alone. You're not alone. Like literally, this is something that is, 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 is a widespread problem. This was last year. 43% of young adults reported increases in loneliness since the outbreak of the pandemic. It's almost 50%. 50%. Uh, and this is a really sad stat. About half of lonely young adults in our survey reported that no one in the past few weeks had taken more than just a few minutes to ask how they are doing in a way that made them feel like the person genuinely cared. That's sad. That's really, really sad. And the, and the reality is it's, it's, it's destroying us. And it's not just young people. But the study showed that it was young people, middle-aged people, older people, experienced loneliness. Um, check this out. It's, and it's, and it's, it's, it's messing us up. There are steep costs of loneliness, including early mortality and a wide array of serious physical and emotional problems, including depression, anxiety, heart disease, substance abuse, and domestic abuse. So it's leading to a lot of destruction in our lives. And then another di- uh, additional study by Holt Lundstedt done in 2015 says this, loneliness is likely to increase your risk of death by 26%. Loneliness, living alone, and poor social connections are as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness is worse for you than obesity. And loneliness and social isolation put individuals at a greater risk for cognitive decline and dementia. And it's just, it's been increasing even before the pandemic. And some of you are thinking, man, I am so glad I came to church today for all of that bad news. <laughs> so let me, let, me, let me tell you why it's important to look at that. Because that is bad news, and that's not, that's not good to hear. But it's important to know our problem, because you know what? The church has the answer to that problem. In fact, the church is the answer to that problem. Literally, the church being the church not only, not only beats loneliness, it destroys it. When the church is really at, when we operate at our best, when we are looking at each other and helping each other and seeing the best in each other and serving each other and going the extra mile for each other and praying for each other, when we do that, loneliness doesn't stand a chance. And the reason this is important, because obviously it's hurting us, but the devil uses loneliness, doesn't he? When we're by ourselves, we're alone. He has his way with our thoughts. We start getting discouraged. We want to give up. We want to throw in the towel. We wonder if this whole thing's uh, even worth living for. That's where he wants us. But praise God. God has given us the body of Christ, the church. And when we are in Jesus-centered relationships, we crush loneliness and we stay fresh. 
Okay, so the, the answer is relationships, right? Jesus-centered relationships, because not any relationship is going to help you. How many know some relationships are going to hurt you? And then, so there's Jesus-centered relationships, but, but let's just be honest, there's a problem with that. The problem with saying, all right, okay, I'm going to get into a small group. I'm going to get into a life group. I'm going to get around some Jesus-centered relationships. Um, how many of the problem with being in relationships is that you have to be in relationships with people? <laughs> it's a problem. Because <laughs> people are weird. <laughs> Come on, you know. Right, people are weird. They dress weird. They talk weird. They chew their food weird. And, and have you ever been a part of a life group or you're in a, a social setting and, you know, everything is going great and you're like, man, like, I actually like this. Maybe you lean over to your spouse. You're like, I think this might work out. And then someone will say something so off the wall where you can't help yourself, but you're like, your face literally betrays you. You're like, like let's go, honey. You're like, like, that's... Literally, like we're giving up. People are weird. Add to that, people are mean. Can I get an amen? People are mean. Ever had someone betray you? Have ever had someone talk bad about you in the church? Someone gossip behind your back? People. Relationships are the answer. We know that we need them. We have, to have to relate, we have to have these relationships with people. What do we do? We do relationships the way Jesus did relationships. Because Jesus took this group. He took 12 people, 12 people that he invested his life in, he spent time with, he was open with them, he was vulnerable with them, he spoke truth to them, he encouraged them. And he changed their life. And because he spent time with a small group, he changed the world. So he changed those people, but then he changed the world through them. And so what I want to do is I want to take a minute, just a, just a few minutes today. And I want to talk to you about being in a small group. I want to talk to you about being in a life group that will change your life. All right, life groups start this week. And I want to talk to you about getting into a group that will change your life and a group that you can change the world with. Because you, everybody needs a group. Everybody needs a group. And what I want to do is I want to look at the last part of Jesus' life. Because in John chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, and 17, he's getting his disciples together right before he's going to go to the cross. And he's saying, hey, listen, I want us to get together and I'm going to tell you some things that are going to be really, really important to you. And what we do in those chapters, we get a glimpse on the power of small groups. And I want to show you five factors that we learn from this original small group that you and I can apply today and have real community and crush loneliness, all right? Let me give you the five factors. Number one, Jesus-centered community is willing to get real. So if you want to be in a real relationship, you got to get real. Uh, Jesus-centered community will shoot you straight. Jesus-centered community helps us become more like Christ. Jesus-centered community helps keep our eyes on the prize. And Jesus-centered community is powerful. Okay, so these are very basic things. But if we, if we do small groups like Jesus did small groups, those small groups will change our lives. And through those groups, we will change 
the world, all right? So we're going to jump in. Before we do, I want you to tell three people sitting next to you that you need a group and a group needs you. Come on, tell three people. Say, you need a group and a group needs you. All right, first thing, Jesus-centered community is willing to get real. It's willing to get real. When you look at Jesus and how he spends his time with these guys, he spends a lot of time just hanging out, like a lot of time. Now, he does spend some time doing miracles. He does spend some time uh, healing people, feeding the 5,000. He does spend some time teaching. All of that's recorded in the Gospels. But there's three years that Jesus spends with these disciples. There's a lot of stuff that's not recorded in the Scriptures. A lot of that time is not recorded in the Scriptures. What is he doing the rest of the time? He's just chilling. He's just chilling. Because you got to think about how many meals they're having together, right? They're having lunch. They're having dinner. They're, they, 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 when they would travel together, they would camp. So they're hanging out by the, the campfire. All the people who like camping said amen. That four of you. <laughs> so he's hanging by the campfire. They're making, they're making dinner. They're talking. He's just hanging out. Sometimes he's letting them talk. Sometimes he's talking. There's a lot of time just spent walking to, from town to town. They're not, they're not actively healing or teaching. He's just hanging out with them. The whole thing is woefully inefficient, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like, have you seen, have you guys seen these new commercials? I can't even remember what they're for. Like, it's probably insurance commercials because they're the best. But um, it's like this commercial where these two guys in the wild, wild west, and they're trying to like, they're trying to like, all right, we're going to like a shootout. And they're like, all right, let's meet at high noon. And he goes, oh, I'm busy at high noon. How about 1.30? And the guy's like, no, I can't do 1.30. How about tomorrow? No, I can't do tomorrow. And they're like trying to schedule like this shootout. It's like, it's too busy, for, even for like, it's just hilarious. Us today, we're like so programmed. We're so scheduled. And I know if I'm planning, if I'm Jesus, and I'm planning like the mission to come in, I'm like, all right, Father, let's keep this real, real simple. I'm gonna drop in Monday. I'm gonna get some followers on Tuesday. We'll do the Sermon on the Mount on Wednesday, feed the 5,000 on Thursday, heal some sick while we're at it. Friday, go to the cross. Saturday, take the keys of death, hell, and the grave from the devil. Sunday, rise again. I'll be back by Sunday afternoon. <laughs> That's efficient. <laughs> but you know what it's not? It's not real. Because there's, there's no interchange of relationship there. There's no awkward moments there. See, we plan our lives so that we don't have any awkward moments. We plan our lives so that we don't ever get close to people. Because people are mean and people are weird. So we keep them at bay. Do you know who doesn't do that? God. God doesn't do that. He doesn't keep us at bay. He invites us in. Look at this in John chapter 13. This is the Last Supper. And, and Jesus, he just, he gets so real with them. 
Verse three, Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing. This, this is very important. He takes off his outer clothing and then he wraps a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, the symbolism in this is very significant. He's taking off his outer clothing and he's putting a towel. So it's just, it's just him, him and his undergarments. And he puts a towel around his waist and he gets down and he starts washing their feet. Now, can we just all agree that feet are nasty? Like, feet are nasty, and your feet are nasty, okay? And I like you, but your feet are nasty. You clean them today, but they're still nasty to me, okay? People come over to my house, like, you want me to take my shoes off? No, 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 no. <laughs> Leave them on. Yeah, but you, know, you have to clean the floor. <laughs> I'll clean the floor. Happy to clean the floor. <laughs> Just don't want to smell your feet. In that day, in that day, feet were especially nasty, Sandals, all they had, walking through uh, mud and feces, and they're at the table, and no one had no one had washed the feet yet. And Jesus is like, "I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to meet you at your lowest point. I'm going to meet you at your dirtiest point. And I'm taking off my outer cloak. I'm literally getting vulnerable with you. The symbolism is very, very significant." If you want real, life-changing community, you're going to have to take off some of the outer clothing and get vulnerable. You've got to let people in. It's easier to keep them at hand, uh, arm's length. But you're never going to experience life-changing relationships unless you let them in. And say, here, here's who I am. Let me tell me about you. I'm interested in you, and here's a little bit of me. This is what Jesus does. This is who God is. And the same is true for the church. We need to be like this. And, and it's why we need groups. Because how many of you know on a Sunday morning, life can be going terrible. Life can be going terrible. It, the devil always shows up on Sunday morning. Parents said, amen. You know, you start getting the kids ready. All of a sudden, you know, their heads start spinning. <laughs> That's my kids. <laughs> I'm like, you love church. No, God isn't real. What? <laughs> You're driving, <laughs> driving to church and they're fighting and bickering. And, you know, of course, this, this happens. This, this happens. It, you did, you did, they didn't get fed like you wanted to feed them because they were fighting. And then you, you get here, you're walking in, and it's, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> and of course, of course, because you can't get real. So you're checking your kids in. Like, someone's like, how's your day? Terrible. Oh, it's awful. You start mascaras running everywhere. You can't do that. But you can do it in a group. You can do it, you can do it when you're in relationship. You can do it when you have time. You've got to make time to be real. You've got to have time to open up. You have to have time to let people in. And you've got to let time in, you got to let people into your struggle. First Corinthians chapter 12. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Man, if you're going through it, 
I can go through it with you. Now, here's the thing. That's the body of Christ. But we can't do that all together. We, but we can do that with a few. We can't do that with everybody, but we can do that with a few. You need people in your corner that when you need a meal, they're saying, I'm there. When you need someone to watch your kids, they're saying, I'm there. When you need someone to help you move, you're like, I'll call the moving company. Come on, somebody. <laughs> that's good. I just tell you, that's good. All right. Sec- oh, I got to read this verse from Ecclesiastes. I'm going to skip to the message version. It says this, by yourself, you're unprotected, but with a friend, you can face the worst. I love that. We all need friends. You got to have people that you can call and be like, man, I'm just going through it. Will you help me? Will you pray for me? Will you encourage me? By yourself, you're unprotected, but with a friend, you can face the worst. Number two, everybody say number two. Number two, Jesus-centered community will shoot you straight. When I thought of that point, I thought, I've been living in Missouri for a long time. Because <laughs> I didn't grow up saying, shoot you straight. <laughs> I grew up saying, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Thank you. Or I grew up saying, you need someone to tell you like it T.I. is. But not shoot you straight. However you say it, Jesus has been saying it. For a long time, John 16, he's got his disciples together. He's telling them truth. He's giving them encouragement. And he says, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. The word fall away is the word scandalizo in the Greek. We get our word scandal from it. How many of you know we're all just one dumb decision away from scandalizo? Jesus is saying, I'm telling you all of this stuff to keep you out of the scandal. I'm telling you these things because I see these things in you. And Peter, even as he's washing his feet, he's like, no, I don't want any part. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to wash the whole thing. He's like, no, you'll never. He's like, stop it, Peter. Stop it. You need people to, to tell you what's up. You need people to get real and then to get into your world. And you need people to, to speak truth. Look at Proverbs 27. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So when someone, when someone says something to you that hurts a little bit, if it's out of relationship, certainly, certainly a Jesus-centered relationship, it can be trusted, even if it hurts. But an enemy is just going to tell you all day how great you are. They're never going to get real, and they're never going to speak truth and love. Proverbs uh, 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That verse is pretty. It sounds great. You see it on napkins and, 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 and you know, and thank you cards. But that, that's aggressive. Iron sharpening iron, that's ching, ching, ching. It's violent. It's aggressive. Both parties are getting a little bit marred up. And that's where you grow. When you have people in your life that can say, dude, the way you treat your wife, man, that's not cool. Like, I'm just telling you, like, that's, that, that's, that's not cool. Or, or, man, hey, here's a resource for you you might want to consider. Or, hey, man, I was just noticing, like, some of your thinking, it's, it's stinking thinking. It's really negative. If you don't ever get offended in your life, then you don't have a real friend. That's true. And you know what? 
This is the problem with our culture today. Because we have made getting offended like the worst thing in the world. Oh, I'm offended. That, that offended me. Good. Good. You may have needed to be offended. Truth offends. Truth offends. And it's not Christianity if we never get offended. You need people who will call you up out of your stuff. And let me just say this. If I've got mustard all over my face and you're worried about offending me, offend away. (laughs) Right? If I am driving my life off a cliff, offend me. Offend me. Let's offend each other to the glory of God. And then if we, that will keep us out of scandalizo. And if we find ourselves in scandalizo, we can, we can pray for each other and heal each other. Look at this, James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So we like this next part. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We like that, and I, I like that, and I use that verse. But confess your sin to one another. So it's like, man, guess what? I'm in some scandalizo. Maybe we can actually use that as our term, you know, kind of help break the ice. I'm in some scandalizo, and, and I need to confess it to you. Will you pray for me? I've got myself into some stuff. And again, this, we got to break this idea that Christianity is the perfect little picture. No, it's a broken picture. It's a picture of brokenness. People who are open and broken saying, God, heal me, and I'm struggling here. Will you pray for me? I've got some messed up thinking. Will you pray for me? I've been looking at some stuff that I shouldn't look at. Will you pray for me? I've been gambling my money away. Will you pray for me? We need to be honest so that we might be healed. Real relationship. Speaking truth. Number three. Jesus-centered community makes us more like Jesus. There's a progression here, obviously. So as we're speaking the truth in love, as we're being real, as we're speaking the truth in love, we're gonna be more like Jesus. In John 15, Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from, you can, apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying, hey, you gotta, you gotta be close to me. That is unique in that it's Jesus, but it's also true for the body of Christ. We will only be as effective as we are in community. When we get together, we grow together. Most of the Christian principles that we talk about, what are they? Love, like peace, patience, kindness, forgiveness, self-control. You could say peace is for you, joy is for you. Everything else is for everybody else. The way you practice your Christianity is not by reading more books. It's by being in more relationships. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Wasn't even in notes, but it's good. It's true. It's true. That's how you practice your Christianity. Look at what uh, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to skip down to verse 7. It says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So God's given you gifts. He's given you gifts. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the, uh, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people 
So, so we are supposed to challenge. We are supposed to train. We are supposed to encourage and help you so that the, to do what? To do works of service. So the pastor's job, the, the, the church's job, is to train you and to put you into communities where you can what? Serve each other. So, check this out, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Who wants to be mature? I do. I want to I be more mature than I am today. How's it going to happen? By just getting along with God, reading books, and growing. Yeah, just me, you, against the world. God says no. No. It's not good for man to be alone. Where do you get maturity? Where do you grow? In relationships. The way you practice your Christianity is with those mean, weird people. That's it. And it's so beautiful, isn't it? Man, some of you know, some of you know that when you're real and you're serving each other and you're pushing past your flesh, man, it's real. That's where your Christianity gets real. And it's awesome. If you haven't experienced it, we want to help you experience it. And I'm not saying that we're going to do it perfectly, but we're going to try to get you in some groups that will help you grow and be all that God wants you to be. Number four, everybody say number four. Jesus-centered community helps us keep our eyes on the prize. Every single one of us is going to get discouraged in this life. You're going to get discouraged with your Christianity. If, if someone tells you that they never get discouraged, they're lying to you. They're lying to you. I haven't met one person who doesn't get discouraged from time to time. I haven't met one person who doesn't start thinking, ah, man, I don't know, I'm struggling. Even with my faith, I'm, I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible, but I'm struggling. And you know, that's the beauty of relationships because relationships come in and say, hey, come on, I want you to keep your eyes on the prize. Look what Jesus does in John 14. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. They're discouraged. They're about to go into some very, very challenging, difficult situations. What does he say? He says, remember, heaven awaits. He says, in my, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. He's saying, I'm going to get heaven ready for y'all. And it's going to be amazing. Remember, this is not your home. Heaven awaits. It's going to get tough, but heaven awaits. Life's going to be difficult, but heaven awaits. You're going to get some struggles, but come on, let's pray together. I'm going to walk with you. We're going to heaven. Like, not right now, but eventually. Like heaven awaits. We, got, we have to have people in our lives that can be like, come on, man, it's okay. God's with you. This isn't the end of the world. This isn't the end of the world. God loves you. Come on, let's pray. You gotta have people who can encourage you and keep your eyes on the prize. 
Number, number five, the last thing, Jesus-centered community is powerful. This is a very interesting verse that I wanna bring to your attention. John 17, he said, I pray for them. How many know there's power in prayer? There's power in prayer. He says, I pray for them, but I'm not praying for the world. What? I thought Jesus loved the world. I thought Jesus died for the world. True and true. But he doesn't pray for the world. What's up? Is that, it's kind of weird, right? Is that kind of weird? It's weird to me. But for those you have given me, for they are yours. So he's got his disciples. He's about to go die for the sins of the world because God so loved the world, but he doesn't pray for the world. He prays for a few. And what he's teaching us is you can't know everybody's stuff. You can't know everybody in this room's stuff. But you can know a few people and you can pray for them. And if everybody prays for a few people, everybody gets prayed for. Everybody experiences the miraculous. Everybody experiences the protection of the church, the love of the church, the encouragement from the church. You can't know everybody, but you can know a few somebodies. And when we do that, we get strong. We get strong. I was watching this. Uh, I was watching this video of some water buffalo this week, which I do from time to time. It's really fascinating. Water buffaloes have pretty cool lives, and then they get eaten by lions. And I was watching these water buffalo, and and there was this one water buffalo that was walking and then and then got surrounded by like four lions and I was like oh man he's toast he doesn't stand a chance but he's a water buffalo so he can swim that's the name water buffalo and he gets into the, he gets to the riverbank and he starts swimming in the in the water and he's just kind of going like this and the lions you can just kind of like oh man they're like pacing back and forth so he's swimming out into the middle of this river and guess what happens? Crocodiles show up. True story. <laughs> this water buffalo is having a rough day. And, and so they start eating on him. So he gets out. And so he's like, what do I do? Do I want to get eaten by a lion or a crocodile? And uh, all of a sudden, he starts running along the riverbank. And, and you can't see it, but you can't see why. But then the lions just run off. And it's, it's this cool video because all of a sudden, out of the trees come the herd. The herd of buffalo. And you could tell that water buffalo, he had found himself in a, between a rock and a hard place. But he knew if I could just get to my herd, I was going to be okay. If I could just get around my people... The enemy's attacks were not going to last, and they were not going to take me out. Let me tell you this. You have got a herd waiting for you. 
You've got a herd waiting for you. And you can sign up for it right outside in the lobby. You can sign up by, on your QR code. There's a herd waiting for you. And let me say this. You're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I got my herd. I'm good. Well, then there's a water buffalo waiting to be a part of your herd. There's someone who's getting attacked. There's someone between a rock and a hard place who needs you. And you know what? You might be good now, but you're going to need, eventually you're going to need some people in your life. There's not one person, money can't get you out of having needs. You can, try, you can try to position yourself out of relationship, but the reality is you are made for relationship. You need this. The church, this is what the church is. This is what we do. And if we do this, the Bible says this, that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. He's, trying to, he's trying, seeking to devour us. And if we will be strong in relationship, we will hold each other accountable. We'll keep each other from falling into scandalizo. We'll keep each other encouraged when things get tough. And we'll pray together and we will push back the darkness in this world in Jesus' name. Amen? And stand with me. We're going to take a moment. And I just want us to pray. I just want us to pray over our groups. Maybe you're in a group. We had over 100 people this week sign up for groups. New people sign up for groups, which is amazing. It's really, really fantastic. Um, if you're one of those people, I'm so excited for you. We're going to change the world. We're going to be real. We're going to be open. We're going to be vulnerable. And we're going to say, God, use us to encourage and bring life and take care of each other. Amen? I mean, would you lift your hands and lift your heart and let's just pray for the community of our church. Let's pray for groups. Let's pray for group leaders. Let's pray for authentic community. Father, we just pray right now that God, you would work in our lives, that God, we would, we would be the church that you're calling us to be, that God, we would be the people that you're calling us to be. Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit in our church through our groups. Lord, we pray that we would have great group leaders. Father, we pray for great group environments. We pray that groups would, would be strong and encouraging and that they would push back the darkness in their lives and in this world. God, that we would be a light that shines, that we would care for each other, that we would serve one another, that we would use the gifts that you've given us to bring glory to your name and push back the darkness. And Father, we thank you for it. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.